welcome to the Bull City Summit Podcast, a place where science, technology, art, and music converge, and a place where you can hear more about the Bull City Summit, September 15th to 17th, 2022, in the Bull City of Durham, North Carolina. Today, BCS CEO Parag Bandari, host from the EarFluence Podcast Studio at American Underground in Durham. Here's Parag. Uh, hey, this is uh, Parag with Bull City Summit Podcast. Here with Chris Creech from The Glass Jug. And I'm super excited about this one because The Glass Jug, I got introduced to The Glass Jug when I you know, first moved back a couple years ago. Uh, welcome to the uh, podcast, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. You know, this podcast obviously with Bull City Summit highlights, you know, local entrepreneurs, local brands, and, and just awesome success stories a lot of the cool startup brands that are involved. I can't think of one better example than the glass jug from a lot of different aspects and, you know, putting my marketing hat on and all of that. So I'd love to, to maybe start off by learning more about your background, uh, maybe before launching glass jug and then leading up to, to, to that moment. Sure. Well, that was uh, quite the introduction. Yeah. So, uh, thank you. <laughs> sure. We, uh, my wife and I, Katie, um, we were, in college together at UNC in Chapel Hill. And um, us, as well as three other buddies of mine, started homebrewing together, you know, as college kids do. And um, started making some beer. We're having a lot of fun with it. And then as folks graduated and moved on, we, we were the ones still in Chapel Hill. And we sort of inherited all the equipment and, and, and really kind of dug into it and, and got tied into the homebrewing community, which at the time was at a, a turning point. So this was late 2000s to early 2010s. And there were fewer than 100 breweries in the state of North Carolina. There's now over, there's over 400 now. So to give you a sense of scale, a lot of the guys that we started brewing together and just chatting with and bouncing ideas off of were the guys that opened all the breweries around here. So we were brewing with Matt, who runs Dirty Bull, when we both lived in Chapel Hill. The guys from Steel String were neighbors of ours. Like, the Ben and Donya from Hall River out in Saxby Hall. Like we were, we all just were nerdy homebrewers that in our uh, mid twenties. But we bought a house, moved to Durham. We realized there wasn't a, a whole lot of of craft beer scene, particularly where we were, which was on the south side, kind of the RTP side of Durham. You had Sam's Bottle Shop, which had been a staple since you know the eighties, really. And, and John Boy did great with that, and they were already in plans for opening their the bottle shop over in uh, Hope Valley. Um, but there wasn't much on the, the RTP side and we had just been so connected to craft beer in Chapel Hill and we felt like there was, there was a hole here. Yeah. Um, so we said, well, all these guys that we were brewing with now run breweries. What, why don't we open up a sure. retail yeah. shop and sell their beer because they're making a great product. Um, so we originally opened in 2014 as a um, small retail beer and wine bottle shop. Um, started out as a shop. Yep. We started out on the retail side. We had, I think, eight or 12 taps five tables inside, but primarily a, a retail shop. What I didn't realize about Durham that I had to learn through running the glass jug is Durham is a very big city in terms of land area. There's not a lot of suburbs. Right. Like Durham County is Durham. Wake County, you've got Garner, Wake Forest, Nightdale, Holly Springs. They all have their own identity, their own downtown, their own kind of brand for each of these small towns. Durham just sprawls. Right. So we were in the, the south part of Durham that's equidistance from downtown Raleigh to downtown Durham, but we're still Durham and there's wasn't an identity there, but a lot of people lived down that way and they were looking for somewhere cool to hang out. We didn't realize how much that was needed until we became that place. Yeah. 
which was interesting because we thought we were opening a retail shop and people might grab a beer while they shop. But we suddenly realized people just wanted to hang out and drink beer and we didn't have near enough space. Right, right. Um, so we ran in that spot for about three years and then- This is the RT spot. This is the RTP spot. The original one. Original okay. one was in the Greenwood Common Shopping Center over on Highway 55. We, in 2018, moved out of that suite in the same shopping center to a much larger suite because we needed more, we wanted to be more of a tap. Sure. So we got a big beer garden built out back. We added a lot more seating inside. And by that point, after running as a retail shop for three years, a lot of other places were jumping on the craft beer train. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to look at a differentiator. And we had been brewing now for over a decade and we're very well connected with a lot of great brewers. So I was like, well, let's be I the first bottle it. shop in North Carolina to put an on-site brewery. And so we did. We, uh, we put a, a brewery inside a bottle shop which, you know, required some legal maneuvering and, and a lot of confused people at the NC ABC. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing keeping us from doing it at that point. So we, we opened up the brewery on site with the bottle shop and beer garden. I would say, I would give credit to Salud out in Charlotte. They were the first bottle shop to have their own brand of beer. We were the first to actually brew beer on site at a bottle shop. So we did that started in 2018. And then as you mentioned, just about a year ago, March of 2021, when we thought we were catching the tail end of the pandemic mm -hmm. as uh, vaccines had rolled out, cases were dropping before anyone knew about all these Greek letters that came later. Yeah. <laughs> um, we thought, oh yeah, we're going to open it and it's going to just catch fire. We opened a new tap room in, right in the heart of downtown Durham next yeah. to Durham Central Park, right across from the newly opened at that time, the Durham Food Hall. Yeah. Um, so we're pumped about this location and it, it's great. Um, and it's just been a, a, a whole new experience opening just a tap room that is solely focused on the beer that we're making this, for the first time. I love that story. And I love this story. Um, it's funny because I, you know, before we started the interview, I was saying like, I, I, I now feel like a local, but I'm relatively new, you know, three, four years now, four years, I guess. Uh, Being not, as, as transient of a city as it is. I think uh, four, four years is pretty good. It's pretty, four years <laughs> is pretty good, especially during the pandemic. And oh God, it's home now. I, I'm, I'm so grateful and lucky. But I mean, you as a person, as a student, and then, and, and then your passion for like the trade, but then building the brand is, you know, is exactly what triangle is. And then the podcast that we did last week was, um, David from Gigmore talking about just solving a problem through passion. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you did. Probably knowing full well that Durham is, is about to become this bigger, you know, sort of thing. And I, I love that you, you created a new destination downtown because it really speaks to the history of, of what you've built already yeah. before downtown started getting high, you know, new people moving in and, and all this stuff, which For is sure. awesome. Yeah. I mean, from a growth standpoint, I, I don't want to say we were, we had a crystal ball or anything. Yeah. We, we it's, sort of seems like backed into it a little bit. We opened in the original location we did because it was close to our house and we thought that side of town needed something and rent was cheap. Yeah. But now that like just in the eight years we've been there on my four minute commute, there's now four new townhouse um, complexes that I pass by every day. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's blowing up down yeah, there. And yeah. then when we were looking at expansion, you know, that was the thing we could, we could open in Raleigh, we could open anywhere, but being that we were a Durham brewery, Such, we saw ourselves so as a Durham great. brewery, even though we were two miles from the border with Cary. Totally. A lot of people were very confused when they realized they were actually in Durham and not Morrisville or Cary. Yeah. yeah. But we wanted to really tie into Durham. And that's why we're like, well, you know, all this marketing for come Durham, visit Durham, it's so focused on downtown that the outskirts get missed. Because again, we don't have our own city. There's not a 
a downtown Durham Inc. for South Durham. Great. Um, and so we're like, well, let's let's just plant a flag downtown because there's only at this point six, seven breweries in Durham. Let's open another tap room you, you kept, in Durham. You kept it local. You kept it real. One thing I'm seeing and I, 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 again, I, I love this town for a lot of reasons, but the people have just, you know, again, coming through the pandemic, whatever, just been very embracing, I think is the word, but like you, you created something out in the outside of the area that it had, that is seeing a lot of growth, which is now downtown, but obviously all of the city is, and you brought it downtown to make yeah. sure that that brand continues speaking to what Durham's history was. That was like sort of one thing that's coming to mind. The other thing is like, even for like, I guess, outside of the triangle. Like I remember when I was working in New York and bands would come through, it would always be about Carborough and, you know, Cat's Cradle and this and that. Sure. But then the other thing was RTP, mm -hmm. Research Triangle Prime. I mean, it's a globally known area, right? So it's, it's really befitting what you've done with the brand, starting from RTP, starting in Durham, keeping it Durham. You're, you've been there for like, various different stages of Durham's growth, which yeah, is awesome. For sure. And, and and like I said, we've learned a lot about Durham through doing this and Durham not only being unique in how it sprawls, but unique in that it's segmented in that most cities, like you go to Austin and the big, big companies are all downtown. Yeah. But in Durham, a lot of the big corporations are out at Research exactly Triangle right. Park. I don't envy the, the city planners and the people <laughs> figuring this out in downtown. Like downtown has been carried by small business. And just now are we starting to see Google and yeah. potentially Facebook and yeah. whoever else looking at, at downtown Durham instead of RTP. So it's interesting to see what downtown is. It's, it is going through some change and hopefully it's, it's bringing people here, but we're keeping it. It's still driven by so many small businesses. I was just about to say that. I literally just about to say that. I hope, I think, and again, I can speak from my own personal experience, like Durham does very much have a very um, similar trajectory to Austin, but there's a, there's a different greediness in the local loyalty and everyone wants to be that way and everyone is that way in some degree whether whatever town you're in but there's something about that here man that is just so inviting and protecting and i think what you've been what you did with glass jug is a great example of it, right it's not like that prime awesome location in that like you know new apartment condo building uh, went to a chain, a national chain or anything like that. And I'm hoping that's going to stay the same with some of these new buildings that are popping up. Um, yeah. So again, just awesomeness. And like when I, when I originally lived here, I lived across the street above Durham Food Hall. Now I live above Glass Jug. You know, let's get into, let's get into the brand. Let's get into the actual Glass Jug brand, which is just phenomenal. I love the marketing. I've always loved uh, Mike's, um, one of your guys named Mike Brandon, right? Who did, did a lot of, the LED work on the screens and just really awesome branding. So you're checking a lot of boxes here in terms of small business, but then you're, you've got like top notch marketing, you got top notch products that you're putting out. Talk to me about that process. Um, sure. Yeah. It's certainly something we work hard on. So, uh, you know, a, a little bit about my background um, before, well, actually when we opened as the retail, you know, the glass jug originally back in 2014, Katie, my wife, left her job to run the business. And I was, I, I told everyone I was the night and weekend volunteer. Um, and that was a strategic choice because we wanted a female run beer place. 
because there's, I mean, there's all sorts of issues with diversity in craft beer. Right. So having a female run space was important awesome. to us. Yeah. Um, and we wanted it to be a safe and welcoming space. But before that, I worked for a, a company that was originally a website design firm and then sort of branched into digital marketing consulting. Um, and I sort of so ran our sure. you know, email marketing, digital marketing, content marketing, consulting arm, um, which has now become what that company does. Yeah. Um, at the time, it was me. Yeah. And I was the, the guinea pig to see if we could sell that. Yeah. Um, so I had background in marketing. I have a, a journalism degree in advertising from UNC. I maybe some days wish I had gone to business school. Um, you, <laughs> you, you did. You you did go to business school. Oh, yeah, we did. And, and we had to learn the hard way. It's though. gone great. <laughs> it's gone. It's going very well. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, my background's in marketing. Katie, my wife, she was in the journalism school with a PR degree and worked at doing um, like marketing software sales. So we, marketing has always been something that's important to us. Yeah. And kind of coaching our team on on how we want to do that. And we've we've been lucky to have some great people. You mentioned Mike. He's been great for us. Um, we've had a couple different freelance designers. We've mm -hmm. been working with, um, Ryan over at Gusto design. He's a, a freelancer that has done, he did the rebrand for Tupelo honey. Okay. And then he's been, did our rebrand back in 2018. So cool. when we switched from just the glass jug, you know, retail bottle shop to the glass jug beer lab, sure. which was a very purposeful, meaningful change in that we didn't become the glass jug brewing company or glass jug brewery. We purposely branded as a beer lab because we didn't want to say we're just a brewery. We're still a bottle shop. We're right. still a tap room. There's so much more to it, but we really wanted to hone in on that science aspect because we're brewing small experimental batches and just an ode to being an RTP with all these scientists there. That's so great. They, they usually like all my science puns on our names. So the branding's always been important to us. And I, I think we've had some great designers who have helped with that. Ryan has been awesome. He's done all of our can label artwork. We have a, a new social media person who's helping us out, Ty, and she's doing a great job with photos and graphics as yeah. well. So I think having, having a role in our company and whether it's freelance or an actual employee that is dedicated to this stuff has been huge because a lot of small businesses of our size don't have, I, I could say for certain, having met either the per people who, who work at the actual locations or, you know, Mike and your, mm -hmm. your creative, they, everyone loves it. It's a, there's a passion there. So you, you've, you've built a nice ecosystem that's, organically doing what it should be in terms of uh, exciting the people who work there. But it's great to, and it makes total sense that your very established background in marketing and advertising is translating to this brand that you built, which is, it, it's just, it's just, it's awesome. It makes a lot of, uh, makes, makes a lot of sense, frankly, you know, yeah. you know as far as how everything's come, come together for this brand. And one of few others, but um, that really just represents Durham yeah. in, in all things. Yeah. Well, and for me, like I still write our weekly email newsletter every it's Monday. Awesome. Like I, I usually write it on Friday before I leave and it goes out every Monday morning. And I've been, I've done that every week, like pretty much without missing a week since before we opened. Wow. Um, so we, by the time we opened had, you know, a few hundred people on the list of friends and family and, and people that were excited about us opening. Um, and we've built that list to six or 7,000 people that get an email from us every Monday morning about what are the events that are going on? What new beers are out? Who, what musicians are playing? What, do we have a comedy show? Like what's yeah. going on in our tap rooms? Yeah. I think having that consistency, that's been one of our biggest marketing assets. And I think it was just so natural to me because I, I consulted with, with CEOs of companies on how to do email marketing before Great. I did this. Great. I was like, well, of course we're going to do email marketing. And I mean, now, I mean, my inbox is a testament to, I'm sure everyone's that's just 
slammed with all the marketing, yeah. but having that big of a list and people who have opted in to want to hear from us is, is great. And it's inexpensive. It's, it's cheap advertising. It's speak and of course, but it speaks to your authenticity and the authenticity of, of the glass jug. It's, it's very, very refreshing. Like with great history, your, you know, location, location, location. If you want to talk about the two locations, great marketing. And then a lot of this, you know, first person voice or at least communications coming from, coming from the co-founder. It is, it's, it's obvious and it's great. And I think that's, what's very different. I don't want to say different because, you know, there's small businesses everywhere, but as far as, you know, the combination of like the, the people attitude, the entrepreneurship, the, the growth with RTP in downtown, uh, it all speaks to glass jug. So it's, it's really, I commend you for what you've done to be able to contain all that seriously, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's, still have it be authentic. Yeah. And that, you know, that's the challenge that we have right now is that as we've grown, you know, when we were, when we first started, you know, Katie was our only full-time employee. We had three part-time bartenders and I was our, our volunteer working. Yeah, exactly. I, I'd get off, totally. I'd work 40 hours a week and then come in every night and stock shelves and work until close totally. and then come in and work the slow shift on Saturday. Like, because that's what we did. Um, but now it's like, you know, we have a family, two kids, yeah. like, we're trying to figure out how Recently do we. Recently a new one, right? Yeah, we, uh, eight weeks tomorrow. Oh my God, so congratulations. Katie's still out on maternity leave, yeah. which is nice that she's able to do that. And that's kind of what we're trying to figure out now is, you know, we've got between the two locations and we've started brewing remotely up in Rocky Mount. Oh, Because our, our brewery in RTP, the South Durham spot, it was kind of designed to brew just enough beer for that one tap room. So when we opened in downtown Durham, we, we didn't have the space to the capacity to make enough beer. So we right. started through a, alternating proprietorship up at the Rocky Mount Mills, cool. which is cool. It's you know, owned by Capital Broadcasting, who also did a lot of the work here at the American Tobacco Campus. Sure. Um, so, you know, now we've got three different spots. I've got 20 some odd employees, a lot of them part-time, but it, how we manage all that and still keep it authentic without me running myself ragged <laughs> and having some sense of work-life balance. So, you know, that's been our biggest challenge lately is getting the right people in the right roles yeah. and, and, keeping that brand and that voice and that consistency without Katie and I having to be there yeah. all the time. I, 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 it's obvious, you know, I see the, um, the pop-ups in the park and, uh, it's always staffed with great people. I see you there occasionally, but it's not like you're constantly there and it's, and, and, and nor can you be right. Because yeah. you've got, you know, I used to family. be family. <laughs> of course, I'm sure. Of course. Yeah, we but, had a, our event staff is kind of a new thing yeah. for us, which has been uh, eye-opening. And actually, props to Nicole, who's our, our taproom manager downtown. She was, you know, we were doing all these events, especially now that we're downtown. There's so many events, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, that pop up in Durham Central Park mm -hmm. that want us to come out and serve beer. Mm -hmm. And up until a couple of years ago, I did all our events. Right. We didn't have an event person. Right. And our bartenders, they'd rather work behind the bar and make tips than go serve at an event. And so I... I did it. You know, the job that no one else wants to do. That's right. what I do. I clean the toilets. I, I fix things that are broken. <laughs> totally. I go serve the free beer. Yeah. Um, but we finally <laughs> said, okay, well, let's, let's get a, we have a lot of people who've been interested in being part of our company, but they have other full-time jobs. They yeah. don't really commit to bartending. It's like, we'll just sign up for our event team. And we have six or eight people that maybe work once or twice a month. And uh, they come out and represent our brand at these events and they love it yeah. because it's fun. It gets them out from their nine to five. They feel like they're part of the, and they are a and part of our company. Brand representation is seamless. So every time, every time I've, you know, either, you know, gone inside the actual location or I've seen you guys out in the park. So it's, it's awesome. It's just, it's, it's, it's a cutting through the clutter type of brand based on 
these different pillars that you've uh, you've mastered. It's it's awesome. So um, ma mastered is a strong word. We're, well, we're still working it's, on it. It's getting, it looks pretty, <laughs> looks pretty good. Um, looks and feels good. Um, so that's the goal of marketing. I, I it's it's awesome. Um, we kind of touched upon a little bit of your like commitment to local art and local music. You know, I'm super excited to be working with you with Bull City Summit um, for all the reasons that we just talked about. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about that too, but I'd love to see, you know, get your sort of take on the past two years and the pandemic. Um, we talked about it a little bit, but has there been a noticeably change outside the fact that you opened up your new venue downtown mm -hmm. and that alone was tough because of actual health violations of uh, regulations that say you right. can't get into a mm -hmm. location outside of that? I mean, is the supply chain issue real for you? Is there, other things that you're you're seeing are prices being affected, and then how are you dealing with that? Yeah, so I think there's kind of two questions in there. So I'll, yeah, I'll try to address both of them. Yeah. Um, so from a kind of local art and music standpoint, um, that was something that when we when we moved in 2018 into our current RTP location, we had this big outdoor beer garden, and we really wanted to utilize that space. So we decided to start doing live music. Yeah, and um, we started by doing it one day a week. And it kind of built up and, and we realized the consistency is key doing, Hey, we're going to have a live musician this one time. And then this one other time, but people that know like, Hey, every Thursday, they're going to have a variety of music Something, out there yeah. playing. So we started building and following there. And then we added Saturdays. So now twice a week on Thursdays, we have solo musicians. And on Saturdays, we get bands out there, play outside in the beer garden, weather dependent, basically from March through October. Nice. Um, I think we started a little later, maybe April or May yeah. through October. Um, and so when we opened up downtown, um, we already, we wanted to do the same thing. It's been a little bit more challenging, as you mentioned, because we don't have the big outdoor beer garden. Right. We're right next to Durham Central Park, but without renting the park and getting permits and all that, right. the park isn't ours. It doesn't belong to us. It right. belongs to the city. And so we were doing indoor live music. So we're limited on, we can't bring in the big bands. We're bringing in mainly solo duo music acts on Thursdays and Fridays. Yeah. Um, and it's been a little more challenging to catch hold. But again, I feel like it's the more consistent we are doing it. And totally. the more we're leaning, to your point, on local artists and then across genres. Like we want a diversity of people, diversity of music, yeah. representation, so that it's not like, oh, you know, you can go to the Blue Note and hear blues yeah. seven days a week, Yeah, I think. Well, however many days yeah, it happened. Yeah, five, <laughs> five or six. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, so we don't want to, we don't want to do that same model. Right. We, we don't want to be like, all right, it's bluegrass all the time. Right. You know, we're Durham. It's, it's an eclectic city. And we want to, again, it goes back to making beer accessible to everybody. Yeah, that's great. So we want to welcome yeah. everyone in the doors. And that that thinking goes into everything that we do. Yeah. You have the comedy. And I've seen some live bands. I know Brett does his thing over there at uh, RTP. Yeah. But then here downtown, um, I've seen some singer-songwriters, um, just various different, uh, you know, solo acts. It yeah. works. It totally works. The room for it as well. You know, again, I think it's just, it's, it's a really great example of a, of a, of a of a Durham bred uh, institution that's that that also kind of checks the box of giving back in terms of you know you know arts and culture. So as yeah, far as and that's that's yeah. been a huge piece of what we do, not just in hiring local talent, but being involved in our community through charitable causes. Like we've partnered with Liberty Arts Center to do sure. a beer for their 20th anniversary, donating proceeds back to there. Um, today, on the day that we're recording this, we're doing a Pride Day. Human rights campaign, LGBTQ Center of Durham are coming in. We're helping raise some money for them through a raffle. Right. Like we're trying to tie into all the different 
parts of this community yeah. um, and, and give back where we can yeah. because that, it, look, one of our big focuses is being community driven and we want to put our money where our mouth is. Yeah. Um, not only do we want to say everyone's welcome, but we also want to give back to the community yeah. that's spending time with us. Yeah. And, and you really have, I think maybe that, you know, throughout the pandemic, this is a, this is a brand and a, you know, more than a store that's going to be able to, to look back at, at this period because you, of when you open this venue and, and everything's happening. So, yeah, I, well, and to speak to kind of the, the up question that, that you asked, I yeah. think COVID was, was good for live music, to be honest, because most live music venues had to shut down. I know where you're going with this. And we were totally. out, we were outdoors. <laughs> And we, yeah. we bought, I bought, you know, a few hundred feet of PEX tubing and made big circles and put them out in the grass six feet apart. Yeah. Told people to bring their own lawn chairs set up in your, your drinking circle and we'll bring live music outside. Yeah. And we had higher attendance in the summer of 2020 yeah. to our live music, once we could open back up. Um, so that, that summer music series started a little later, yeah, yeah. but once we could get back going, we had higher attendance than any other year because we were the only thing to do totally. say, and we made people feel safe. Totally. We'd put the precautions in place to make it happen. Yeah. Now you also mentioned supply chain yeah. cost increases that's hit us hard now. Wow. Like that's happening now. I think, um, everything from it's happening now as opposed to, yeah, during like, the pandemic yeah. that was, well, not to say during, like we're out of it now, right. but, um, during the heat of the pandemic, the shortages we hit was aluminum, you know, the, Trump administration tariffs on aluminum did not help on top of all of not just craft beer, but craft beverages and macro beverages, including like Coke and Pepsi. You would go to a restaurant to eat dinner and get a Coke mm -hmm. in a glass. Well, now you're eating at home. So you want Coke in a can, right? So Coke is buying truckloads of aluminum cans. And so tiny little craft brewery who just wants a pallet of wow. aluminum cans, our supply chain was very limited. Wow. So that was the big one during that's, leveled out a little better now prices on aluminum are still high yeah but now what's hitting us is shipping costs are through the roof sure. you know gas sure. is through the roof and then grain you know our primary ingredient in beer you look at where where is a lot of the grain grown in the world oh, you know um they're currently at war with each other so <laughs> um that's happening you know we use local grain as much as we can but that comes with the of cost course. as well totally, totally. um and so our price our our cost of just raw ingredients on the like grain side. So barley, wheat, rye, oats mm -hmm. is up probably 20%. Wow. Um, our shipping costs have close to doubled and they're adding things like, well, used to, it would come on a pallet and you didn't pay for that pallet. Well, now that pallet, just the wooden pallet with nothing on it cost us 10 bucks. And then we got to figure out how to dispose of it later. So that's all gone up. Cleaning chemicals sure. have gone through the roof, which in a commercial brewery, there's lots of cleaning and sanitation. So, you know, getting isopropyl alcohol as a sanitizer. Um, that tripled in cost. Oh and then, yeah, even cardboard prices have gone up. Yeah, so every, every input that sure. goes into this has gone up and we've been struggling like every business. I should have rephrased with, this. like, how has it not affected? Yeah. Well, yeah. And then the last wow. one, which has been yeah. the, probably the biggest is staffing. Yeah. Um, like we have a great team and we've prided ourselves on, on hiring awesome people. And I love the folks that we have, but we, up until 2019, 2020, the average tenure of a glass jug employee was pretty long. Like yep. We held on to people. People wanted sure. to work sure. for our brand. Totally. And um, I don't feel like we've changed that much, but the, the market conditions have changed to where people jump ship. There's a bit of a re reproving period, even for 
someone as established here in the community as you for things that have nothing in your control yeah. um nor and, nor could you have anticipated so yeah we're because going, of a, a change in thinking not yeah. a change of, of of anything else besides that um, yeah it's been interesting now having to kind of go through it and and resell ourselves totally. to and, and sell this brand to new people to totally. get them excited and bought into what we're doing while wow. also giving them the autonomy and you know to let them be a part of this. Yeah. And so it's, it's been an interesting time, especially with, you know, Katie and I trying to pull back a little bit, but also going through waves of staffing and hiring changes and, and onboarding and training and education. Totally. Because we also pride ourselves in having a really well-educated team when it yeah. comes to craft beer, which, you know, eight years ago, you, know, you just hired some beer nerds to work in a beer shop and you're good. Yeah. Um, but now we have a lot of people coming out of corporate America. Like I'm tired of my desk job. I'm working from home. I want to go see people. And if you're, if you have the right personality fit, we want to hire you. We want, you know, regardless of background, yeah. but it requires a lot more education and training on, let me teach you about our beers and craft beer in general and the history of craft beer. So it's, we're, we're having to revamp our training and onboarding to kind of get back to our roots. Yeah. And I think, I, th I mean, you, I think you summed it up really nicely. Um, what we're trying to do with Bull City Summit and 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 the glass jug is, you know, obviously keeping it authentic to Durham and there's all those reasons for that, but maybe this is a uh, a platform to kind of not reintroduce, but just ha ha you know, educate, I think is a word for, you know, whether it's the expanding community in downtown or people who've been stuck inside for two years, you know, all of that. So uh, thank you for, for, for all of that. <laughs> thank you for sitting down yeah. uh, well, to talk us through all this because yeah. it's such a great use case and it's a success story. I mean, I think you've inspired a lot of people that will start businesses or like you say, people are, you know, there's this mass exodus from corporate America or from large cities to markets like the Triangle. Yeah. Um, this is a great success story for them to follow. Yeah. Well, and it's an ongoing story. It's, it's such a transient area. You know, totally. as I mentioned, you know, you've been here four years, you're a local, but yeah. um, you know, there's new people coming all the time. There's people moving in, people moving out, yeah. um, people jumping from corporate America to service industry, people leaving the service industry because they've been tired of service industry during COVID. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're, we're constantly having to reintroduce ourselves. And, yeah. and that was, again, part of why we opened downtown is because yeah. so many Brilliant. people in Durham yeah. Yeah. didn't Brilliant. even know that we existed because oh. we were on the far corner of Durham, you know? So we're we're still trying to introduce, we're eight years old and we're still trying to introduce ourselves. Like, thank God ourselves. you did that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously, like, thank God that you guys are there uh, for those reasons. But uh, well, Chris, And we appreciate you. the help, yeah. helping, helping us introduce ourselves <laughs> to hopefully Sounds some good. new people. So thanks, thanks again. That was Prague Bandari with Glass Jug's Chris Creech. For more on Glass Jug, check out upcoming events or to get involved in what they're doing in the community, visit glass-jug.com. And for everybody interested in attending Bull City Summit September 15th to 17th, head to bullcitysummit.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you again soon on the Bull City Summit podcast. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of EarFluence.